Hello everyone and welcome to Avantika Designering Series or ADS as we like to call it. Every week on Wednesday, we feature design and technology leaders who share their professional journey, their thoughts on their domain of work and designering where the world of design and engineering meet. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show. The world thrives to live upon emotions. We give in when we are moved by something, hitching an emotional connection. And in fact, this is the power of storytelling, which brands practice immensely. The ability to tell a story and make an identity. The process of becoming a part of someone's life and building a relationship that lasts a lifetime. Leaders at organization have been practicing this exceptionally to build a bond with their customers or stakeholders so as to make brands and product to speak for themselves. Today, we have with us someone who has nurtured brands, given them a memorable personality to be remembered and be embraced by its customers. You look around and there's a story being told to you. And so many of these stories have been created by Lulu Raghavan. She works as Managing Director at Landor Associates. She is one of India's 50 most influential women in media, marketing and advertising. She is a voracious reader, writes regularly on Power of Brand and is also a sleep evangelist. Her journey has been exhilarating and there is so much to learn from it. On our journey for discovering designering, today we talk with her about the business of communication. Thank you, Lulu, for joining us on Avantika Designering Series. Uh, we're really excited about hosting you on our show today. Thank you so much, Rohit. It's a real pleasure to be on the show today. So, Lulu, starting with my first question, given the background of COVID, um, in fact, on a global scale, we are going through a, a situation that we haven't imagined. But while we talk about brands, how should they be tackling this situation? Is it important for brands to come out and speak about this? Absolutely. What we're going through is unprecedented change. Consumers the world over have been really shaken up in terms of what's going on, what's happening to their lives, what the future holds. And brands have always been about being anchored in a cultural context. And when the whole context is changing so dramatically, brands have to respond. Now, do they respond with a redesign of their products and services? Do they respond with some sort of communication? Do they respond with outreach to their customers? It really depends on which industry the company or product or service is in, but there has to be some sort of response. You know, I've been on many webinars and there are some people who are opposed to brands responding right now because they feel that it should be business as usual. But I'm a huge believer in cultural context. And when change 
has happened so dramatically, brands have a responsibility to respond. Yeah, I, I see all of us need to play a part in uplifting the spirit of the society as of right now. So moving from brands to your story, in fact, the, you know, it's, it's, it's beautifully said that the journey is as important as the destination. You started your education in economics, went on to do management, and then the industry uh, of branding. How has your professional journey been? Can, can you take us through your professional journey? Sure, I will, Rohit. In fact, I feel incredibly lucky that I chanced upon brand consulting because I'm so passionate about it now. And it's become more than just a job. It's become a huge passion. As you know, I like to think of myself as an evangelist for branding and design. But you're absolutely right. How did somebody in economics and someone who did an MBA get into it in the first place? Actually, the story starts when I came back to India after my undergrad. I studied in the US at Davidson College and I did my major in economics with an applied math concentration. So I was really on this path of either management consulting or investment banking. But when I came back to India, this was around 1997, I was thinking about jobs. And then I realized that in India, to get into a consulting or a banking form, you really needed an MBA. So I was stuck, just had an undergrad degree. It wasn't very valued here. And I was wondering what to do. At that time, my mother actually introduced me to one of her friends who was in advertising, a gentleman by the name of Shumit Roy. And I had a long conversation with him. And he asked me this very pertinent question. You know, he said to me, Lulu, do you want to be a small fish in a big pond? Or do you want to be a big fish in a small pond? It really took me a while to understand that. But he introduced me to the world of advertising and marketing, and more specifically to the world of brand consulting. He told me about his friend Sridhar, who was working at Ogilvy Consulting. And he explained that Ogilvy Consulting was actually a new model of an advertising agency that was really trying to get into this field, this new burgeoning field of brand consulting. And he explained to me how it would be a very good combination of left brain thinking, which of course I had done undergrad, and also right brain thinking, things like languages, creativity, imagination, which he also felt that I had from chatting with me. So Shumit actually introduced me to brand consulting. In fact, I'm very much in touch with him. That led me to my first job at Ogilvy with uh, R. Sridhar, who had started this. I worked under him for a year, and then there's been no looking back. And then from um, Ogilvy to Landor, how did that transition happen? So I had a fabulous year, Rohit, in Ogilvy. That was the year when Sonal Debral, Piyush Pandey were all doing brilliantly. And I had exposure to some of the best minds in the industry. And they all felt that being in strategy and client servicing in the Ogilvy context, it would help me if I got an MBA. And Sridhar also really pushed me and to think about an MBA while I was young and uh, had just started out in the world of work. So I actually uh, did my CAT exams, got into SPJN Institute of 
management and research in Andheri in Mumbai. And I focused on international business and marketing. And there I had a professor by the name of Harsh Mohan and Professor Murthy in marketing who were both very, very passionate about brands. And they really built upon this whole excitement around brands that had been seeded in me in Ogilvy. And I specialized in branding within international business and marketing. My thesis was in branding. In fact, in 2000, which was when I was graduating, my international business and marketing thesis was on how Indian IT companies, their brands needed to really transcend the whole, um, you know, offshoring uh, imagery to add more value to businesses. And so I wrote that whole paper on how branding can help Indian IT businesses. So it was really there that uh, my passion for brands was firmly, firmly established. Then I actually got married and moved to the U.S. in San Francisco. And when I was in the Bay Area looking for jobs, a friend of my husband's knew somebody at this company called Landor. I hadn't actually heard about it, researched it, interviewed there, and I got an offer, an offer actually in this field of naming, which was one part of branding. So it was really fascinating. And the reason I got that job is because I had uh, familiarity with many languages in addition to English, Hindi, and Tamil and Sanskrit, which I knew from India. I'd also learned French when I was in Davidson in the U.S. and had picked up Spanish as well. And when you are a naming strategist, familiarity with languages, and of course, ability to come up with lots of name solutions and then sell that in to clients are all skills that are valued. And so that's where my journey with Lando began back in 2000 in San Francisco as a naming strategist. Well, that's that's really exciting. In fact, there are a lot of pointers that have picked up for my uh, questions that would follow. However, the first thing that really inspired me, Lulu, here is the gratitude that you have for your mentors, for your professors. You remember their names clearly. You you are talking about them, and that's 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 really wonderful. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm hugely grateful because I feel that at different stages in my education, undergrad, my uh, Ogilvy time, time at SPGen, it's these mentors who've always led the way. So I've been lucky. And in fact, even at Lando, it started in 2000 and now it's almost 2020. I've been at Lando for 20 years. I've had so many mentors. So yes, Rohit, I'm a huge believer because, you know, when somebody who really understands you, your talent and what you bring to the table, they can make a remark or they can suggest something which may slightly change the trajectory that you've been on. And sometimes it can change it dramatically all for the better. So I think one should be really grateful when you find these uh, older people who have experience, who take a personal interest in you and can really help direct you. Absolutely. You know, one of the other interesting observations Lulu has been that you've spent 20 years with Landor. Um, usually when you talk to a lot of, uh, you know, early millennials and millennials, they, they usually are in the spree of jumping organizations and, you know, uh, climbing up the, uh, the, the ladder in, in the corporate world. But you've, you've been there for such a long time. How's, how's that been? I think a number of factors, Rohit. Firstly, I've actually had 
quite an incredible rise within Landor itself. If you think about me starting as a naming strategist in San Francisco in 2000 to being the MD of Landor Mumbai's operations today, every few years I've had incredible growth. The company has exposed me to some other part of the business and I've really grown. So starting in naming, then moving to brand strategy, moving into corporate strategy, then moving into new business and client development. And then 12 years ago, when my husband and I were returning to India, rather than letting go of me, Lando gave me the opportunity to start up Lando in India. So it's been an entrepreneurial journey in the last 12 years. Every day has been super exciting, full of challenges and obstacles as well. So in short, I've never had to look outside because I've had plenty of opportunities to grow and to look ahead. Plus, we have a fantastic culture. The uh, the way in which we do our work, it's just so much fun. There's not so much hierarchy. It's a creative culture. It's thrilling and engaging. Plus, it's consulting as well. So it's a broad mix of problems that we solve every day, exposure to various industries. Because of Lando's own reputation, we get to work on the most challenging, biggest, most prestigious branding projects. I have a wonderful team of designers, uh, creative strategists that I work with. So I really cannot find a single reason why I would be unhappy and want to leave. So I've never, ever, ever looked. And actually, it's going to be 20 years in January 2021. Interesting. In fact, what intrigues me about your journey is one more element. You don't come from a D school or a design school. However, you're still the most sought after speaker at all design forums. So where did from, you know, the world of communication, getting into design, how did that transition happen? It's funny that you ask that question, Rohit, because sometimes I feel like the biggest imposter especially when I was a design judge uh, at Cannes a couple of years ago, you know, the Cannes Lions design jury. Uh, I was one of the judges from India. We had about 15 judges and I was literally the only one who wasn't a technical specialist in design. I suppose it's all about learning by doing. I've been in this business for 20 years. It's the best design company in the world, having worked in San Francisco, New York, London, and in India, every day being exposed to problem solving, variety of solutions, lots and lots of interactions and conversations with the best designers. You just pick it up over the years, a lot of self-study, a lot of observation, a lot of reading, reflection, and then just practice, having done it on so many projects. So Yes, while my formal education has been more on the business side, my work experience has been entirely in the application of branding and design every single day. So I think I've logged the hours and my experience is what makes it valuable. Absolutely. I think that's that's such a beautiful uh, way of putting or connecting all the dots together. So moving from your story to understanding certain elements in, in the world of communication design. Um, in fact, if you look in India, communication design has matured over the last few years and you've been in the thick of it for years. So how has it been to be a part of this revolution? I would say it's broader than just communication design. 
in the last 12 years, I've really seen how the importance of brand and design have grown. 12 years ago, when we used to get RFPs, clients would throw in ad agencies, PR agencies, branding agencies. But now there is a recognition for the contributions of branding and design specialists. I think that has been one remarkable change. There are lots of successful case histories in India of brand transformations that have really impacted and positively grown the business. That also increases the belief in design in corporate India. And design has also become much more pervasive. So design really as a mindset, design thinking as a mindset. So it's much broader than just you know communication design. It is service design, it's experience design, it's UI, UX design, it's product design. Overall, it's a recognition that today brands are built based on the experience that you create for consumers and the experience at every touch point matters. So how can design in a holistic sense be leveraged in order to create a really amazing wow experience at every touch point? So I would say the awareness of what design can do, the use of it, and then the belief in it as a real driver of business has been the big change that's happened over these years. In fact, one of the points that you mentioned right now is the awareness part of it. You know, one thing that keeps uh, intriguing me is that we see so many global top brand lists out there, so many companies that keep coming up with them, but we see very few Indian brands that get featured there. Now, I'm sure that the methodologies keep changing, but do you think that Indian brands aren't doing enough in terms of nurturing and building their intellectual property? I don't think that's the reason at all, Rohit. Whether it's Brand Z's top 100 brands or Interbrand's top 100 brands, a lot of it is based on the footprint that the brand has globally. How many Indian brands are there in more than five or 10 countries of the world? If you look at the top brands, whether it's an Apple, a BMW, Coca-Cola, you know, any of those top brands, Google, Dell, they're ubiquitous. There are not that many Indian brands who've had that penetration across the world. So until Indian businesses invest in international expansion hugely, not just Europe or not just the Africas or neighboring countries or just the US, but really across the world, we won't see an Indian brand on that list. Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's, that's quite well put down. In fact, uh, you know, moving from the global brand perspective, one of the things that you've been very advocate of is building a personal brand. Can you, can you share certain inputs or tips in terms of how can someone build a personal brand? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in all these years of doing branding, I've been starting to think about why aren't we using the tools that we have in branding much more strategically to really make ourselves more relevant, more differentiated, 
more engaging and just attractive. Why do we need to do it? Because we all dream of greatness. We're all looking for the next opportunity. Sometimes it may be a job, but sometimes it could be either a speaking opportunity, a writing opportunity. It could be to host an event. Just opportunities in this world are tremendous. And unless you stand out for standing for something or for being known for something, then you're not going to get these opportunities. What personal branding allows you to do is to really distill what you are, what you stand for, and what's so special about you in a very, very clear and simple way. And then use all of the tools of branding and design to actually signal that specialness about you and that expertise in the touch points of your personal brand. So it could be a website, it could be a social media, it could be your business card, it could be even just in the interactions that people have with you. I believe that personal branding is relevant, irrespective of whether you're working at a company, you're a young designer starting out, looking for a job or an entrepreneur. People should clearly know, you know, who are you, Rohit Lalwani, what's special about him, what can I count on him for, and what do I associate with brand Rohit? So I think that branding offers us an incredible opportunity to use those for our own selves to get access to incredible new opportunities which we'd never had before. In fact, it's an exciting process. And now that I think about it, I'm actually able to understand how uh, the process shapes up the brand. So moving from personal branding, one of the other uh, questions that I I usually ask uh, experts like you is, how do you think the field of communication design specifically has matured beyond visuals and graphics into what it is today? I think a huge element is uh, copy or verbal you know, you have to look at a touch point holistically, right? So whether it's uh, a website, social media, a print ad or a campaign, it's really the pairing of visual and verbal that is really, really important. Of course, there's animation, there's movement and motion that's come into the picture much more as well. And then there are all the digital mediums. Before you were just thinking of print mediums. Now there's digital mediums and then there's also spatial mediums. So I think it's evolved quite rapidly. And it's about thinking about all of the senses, thinking about, you know, what can this communication, what can this piece do to actually hook my consumer, to attract them and to really make them want my product or service. So it's these different vectors that have been added and so it's really the visuals working well with the the verbal, uh, working well with the motion, the voice of the brand, if you will, in, a, in the aura of the environment, whether it's online or offline. So it's really quite holistic. I don't think you can look at it in a very siloed way. One of the other elements here is with communication design being adopted by so many industries and organizations across the domain of design, mass communication, marketing education, and more. What are the critical things that you suggest that young aspirants, young communication designers, uh, young mass communication students, if if they want to stand uh, tall in this crowd, in this clutter, 
how can one do that i think the ability to really simplify a lot of complex information will be key there's so much information there's a clutter that's coming through us and if you look at even the well designed news websites or even whatsapp forwards that you get the ability to take these complex ideas and either through one or two visuals or a few words really communicate the essence of that will be really important so simplification which means you really have to understand a lot and try to boil it down to the essence that's something that is going to be very very important the second is empathy increasingly your communication will be only as good as your deep empathy with the end user the customer the stakeholder and so the ability to really immerse yourself and understand you know how the user is thinking feeling behaving is really important before designing empathy is going to be increasingly important especially in a digital first world it's easy to just get a brief and then start designing but the ability to step back and truly understand the consumer's world before designing will be really really important um and then i think just really thinking about the magic or the x factor in the communication that's going to help it stand out because standing out in the clutter is going to be extremely important going forward especially in an attention deficit uh prevalent society where people don't look at anything for more than 3 seconds you know how they think that we have uh the attention span which is even less than that of a goldfish which has only 8 seconds of an attention span so the ability for that communication to stand out will depend on originality something magical something very very different so your ability to empathize to synthesize complex to simple and then coming up with a very original combination or way of representing that is what will help you break through and create something truly extraordinary in fact you mentioned digital first and obviously we can't ignore technology so is branding communication design for digital medium very different than the one in the conventional physical world Yeah absolutely absolutely because it is a lot of these elements it's voice it's visuals it's movement it's the screen uh the you know the the real estate that you have is very very different as well uh it's also about catching attention digital banner is very different from you know a print ad so absolutely the medium is different the storytelling the language of the medium you think about instagram stories You know it's amazing my kids are so fluent in it I I look at it and every day I'm trying to be more creative in it but I just don't have it have that fluency in the same way that they do so it is a different medium and mastering that medium will be key because the way you tell stories the way you visualize the way you really catch somebody's attention uh will be very different in the digital medium for all of the reasons mentioned above and can you share with us some exciting ways of implementing technology to accentuate brands that you've seen in recent times um you know i think if you 
look at any of these brands look at spotify netflix snapchat uber if you just study all of them they're all in constant beta they're trying so many things all of the time you know um lando has done a lot of work in this area we've even taken traditional brands like old spice for example uh really into uh, the the digital space so it's a question of mastering the medium which only comes from practice rohit so it is something that you prototype and you're constantly at it um i don't have any specific principles here but it's really about tell your story in the shortest time that you can in the most original and striking way to create stand out absolutely uh the other exciting thing that's happening these days is the immersion of these micro brands across social media i mean when we keep scrolling through our social media pages there are millions of these do you think these can have a cumulative effect on the way consumers react to brands and do you see the buying style uh shifting to these micro brands uh, you know someday yeah absolutely could be i think it would really depend on whether that micro brand has created enough of an engaging community if you think about glossier which is a personal beauty brand in the us it started out as a micro brand on instagram and through a blog actually it started through a blog where the founder was taking pictures of the beauty products used by celebrities posting those pictures and really creating a community of very interested um consumers those who are really interested in in personal beauty brands and over time she's now built that into a 200 million dollar business um it's incredible that glossier started as a blog became a community then became a retail store and now is this you know incredible force to reckon with and all the fmcg companies like unilever and png are really paying attention to glossier so absolutely any of these micro brands have a chance to you know potentially be a huge billion dollar brand if you will but i think it comes down to product market fit the community that they create the storytelling that they do and if they're able to create a habit see if you go back to the glossier story yeah they got their consumers hooked consumers wanted to keep coming back to see you know which was the next celebrities bathroom shelf can i look at and that that behavioral hook you know uh, was what built the business and then of course the emily wise the founder she did brilliant things with actually starting products using the community to really power the brand so yes absolutely possible there are a lot so the odds of making it are low that's become you know while the cost of building a brand has crashed the difficulty of stand out has increased as you said there are so many in which one uh, will attract me which will continue to attract me and which one will manage enough of a scale of consumers to be able to become a brand to reckon with these are all hurdles but i think focus and creating something that really hooks your consumers is the way to go yeah i'm sure um, all of this will definitely change even the behavior on these mainstream uh, global brands it, it you know they'll they'll also be on their toes and 
I'm sure there's opportunity for even newer and better captivity and immersion out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fascinating trend. I'm, you know, good on you for calling it out because I think big brands should be focusing on these micro brands. You know, in the US, it used to be called D2C brands using the digital mediums to go direct, but I think micro brands is a nicer word. Yeah, in fact, it, it's also given birth uh, to this new industry. And what's exciting, uh, Lulu, is uh, when the East stands out in, in this area, in fact, the Westerners are learning from us uh, the entire concept of uh, social commerce and, and it, it's it's growing very aggressively. Yeah, absolutely. You mean like Tencent and WeChat and WhatsApp business? Yeah, Instagram businesses. So I see a lot of... Um, a lot of women, a lot of homemakers, a lot of students who use uh, uh, these platforms to actually uh, do business. Yes, absolutely. So that ability to have that interactivity with the consumers, real-time information, to own all of the data and constantly evolve your product and service. I think the medium uh, of Instagram is is incredible. as super visual medium as well. Really, really uh, lends itself to many of these new products and service launches. Yeah. So uh, with technology, one of the other elements, uh, Lulu, that I've seen uh, that's coming into business is templatization of everything. And, uh, you know, do you think it's a safe ideology in the world of marketing or branding of templatization? Will it uh, be considered as a standard aspect or uh, is it something that requires disruption? Absolutely requires disruption. Templatization is the kiss of death. We all know that templatization and same, 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 same leads to commoditization, which means why should I pick your brand over the other? Why me? What's special and different will be more critical than ever before when you have a deluge of brands. So differentiation is absolutely critical to stand out. You may start with a template, but then you have to really add the layers to differentiate and stand out. So if you don't do that, I think you're doomed. So Lulu, one of those last questions and uh, at Avantika, we coined this term called as designering, where we think uh, the world of design and engineering actually uh, merge, they come together. And there's a lot of interesting uh, innovation around it. Do you think it's relevant and does it does it interplay anywhere in your industry or workplace? Hugely relevant. I love the term design designering, right? It's really about problem solving. There are thousands of problems to be solved. The disciplines of design and engineering bring us so much, including empathy, framing of problems, prototyping, a mindset to create, uh, iterate. Um, and then actually, at the end of the day, we're engineering behavior. We're engineering new products and services. So yes, huge engineering experiences, hugely relevant. And I think if your young designers are really thinking about that as a verb, designering, I think absolutely fantastic because the practice of designering can create the breakthrough products and services and experiences of tomorrow. So absolutely love the phrase. Absolutely. In fact, um, I also see it as a window of opportunity uh, for a lot of people who can seize and work on its principle. Yeah. So Lulu, moving from there to our last segment, uh, we call it Gyan Vyan. 
which is a quickie takeaway segment for our listener. I'm going to toss a few questions to you and we would like to hear your top of the mind responses uh, to the same. So are you ready for this? Sure, bring it on, Rohit. Great. So Lulu, can you name one uh, woman in the industry that has always inspired you and why? Indra Nui. I've always looked at her as an Indian woman who conquered the world stage, becoming CEO of a global company as prestigious as Pepsi, doing it while also raising two children and taking Pepsi to another level, truly transforming the company, uh, bringing design and design thinking into Pepsi, becoming a mentor for so many. And then, of course, now taking on many interesting advisory and leadership roles. She's somebody who caught my eye a long time ago when I was in business school. I've followed her journey ever since, and I'm always inspired by her achievements, her philosophy, and her outlook on work and life. Okay, that's inspiring. Uh, Our next one is taken from one of your blogs. So in real life, which flavor or brand of candy do you think you are? (laughs) Oh, that's a really good one. I think it'll have to be a lemony lime mixture. So a little bit of sweet and a little bit of tart and bursting with freshness. So this was um, from the story about you and your father uh, every Sunday going out to candy store. So that's that's where we picked this up from. Nice. What a research, Rohit. (laughs) <laughs> so a brand that you always swear by is? Mm, that's a really good one. You know, I would say Nivea. I have used this brand for over 30 years. It's somehow one of those classics. I use it every day and it's timeless. It's elegant. It's so trusted and it's served me well. So not the most exciting one, but it's been a brand that's been a part of my life for so very long. Okay. And if you were a part of a Shakespearean drama in your firm, who would you be? Would you be Hamlet, Juliet, Portia or or Shakespeare himself? (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I'd like to think Shakespeare. I'll tell you why. And not that I have any great literary talent. But you are a voracious reader. I, I do read. I'm, I'm not a huge Shakespeare fan in that sense. I think Shakespeare is always associated for me with school and, you know, difficulty in understanding all of that language. I'm actually reading some Shakespeare right now and I enjoy it. But I'll tell you why I would say Shakespeare. What, what's so interesting about him is there are so many phrases that uh, we use uh, in our day-to-day lives, which are over 400 years and they came from Shakespeare. You know, we don't even realize it but so many phrases that have become part of our everyday language and the reason I say that because at work I notice that many of the things that I say whether it's you know chop chop or let's divide and conquer or you know how do we excite our clients how do we make this the most interesting part of our clients day those little phrases that I use in um, in our daily work with our teams just becomes a part of the lingo of the office. And, you know, I've been doing this for 12 years in the Indian context, and sometimes I even forget some of the things that I coined, you know, 10 years ago, but through 
uh, you know, many years of it flowing down from one team member to the next, it stays. So um, that's the reason I chose Shift. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Another story then. Just sorry to on that, you know, uh, when I celebrated 19 years at Landor this year on social media, my team put out something called Luluisms. So the phrases that I use that have become what okay. the team uses, and there were some four pages of Luluism. So just to back up why I said that. So I haven't checked that out and I'm sure that after the show, that's the first thing that I'm going to catch up. <laughs> so how would you explain your brand ideology to your youngest daughter? I would say that it, yeah, my brand is all about carpe diem. Carpe diem is a Latin word, Riva. Riva is my youngest daughter, which means seize the day. So I truly believe how you live your day is how you live your life. And so if there's anything you want to accomplish in your life, make sure that you dedicate some part of your day to it. And I'm always about being in the moment, not being too focused on the past or being too worried about the future, but really enjoying uh, playing every day and play in the sense of really uh, giving your best and maximizing the moment, working hard, but also playing hard, having fun and really relishing the moment. So carpe diem would be my philosophy. In fact, that philosophy, are, uh, uh, you know, reminds me of one of my favorite movies where it's been used. And our last one, a book which is must read for anyone who wants to create a career in branding and communication. Personally, I really love uh, Todd Henry's The Accidental Creative. It's not a book on branding per se, but it's a book for creatives. And it's how creatives, whether you're a strategist or a designer or someone in the business of branding and design, should go about their day. You know, how do they think about their routine? How do they constantly fill their mind with stimulus? You know, what kind of nutrition and exercise should they do? to really be creative at a moment's notice. So Todd Henry is one of my favorite authors in the field of business and branding and design and creativity. And it's one of the most brilliant books. It's a book that had a hugely transformative impact on how I think about creativity. And more importantly, it really shook me up and realized that made me realize that creativity is not random. There is a method to being super creative. And so if you want to learn that method, read any of Todd Henry's book, but start with The Accidental Creative. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lulu, for doing this. Um, I think we could just go on and on talking to you. It was it's so exciting to hear your perspective on the world of branding and marketing. Thank you so much for joining us on Avantika Designering Series. And we look forward to exploring more opportunities to uh, spending more time with you, picking up your brains, uh, learning uh, about the world of branding and marketing. Thank you so much for joining us. Most welcome, Rohit. It was my pleasure. And I really hope that your students and young designers and other listeners enjoy the show. I'm always accessible on LinkedIn or Instagram as lulu.raghavan and I look forward to continuing the conversation with some of them on those channels. Thank you again. Thank you, Lulu. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. 
We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you.